call to be a disciple of Jesus is really confronting. In fact, it's so confronting that in most translations of the Bible, the, the, the translators very intentionally try to soften the reality of what it means to be a disciple. Now, that might shock you a little bit, but if, you, if you've read the New Testament, you're probably familiar that with many of St. Paul's letters, Paul begins by saying, I, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. That's the common English translation. But in reality, what Paul is actually saying is, I, Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus. Now, slavery obviously has all sorts of connotations in our culture. It's, it's not a good thing. You know, we, we are fighting desperately to end slavery in every generation. And so you can understand that you'd want to just sort of soften that a little bit. Servant sounds better than slave. In Paul's time, slavery was just as bad as it is now. And yet Paul was very, very intentional in using that term. And this is interesting because as a person, Paul knew what it was to be free. You know, Paul was kind of unique amongst most of his Jewish brethren in that, in that he was a Roman citizen. And he had all the freedom that came with Roman citizenship. Even when he gets arrested, he uses his freedom to demand to be taken to Rome and tried by the emperor. And yet when it comes to describing himself, he says very clearly that he's a slave. Now, a slave is someone who has been purchased. They don't belong to themselves. And so Paul is saying very explicitly here, my life is not my own. Christ owns me. And, and not just in a symbolic way, but very practically, that every decision, everything he does, has to be done according to his master. He's the person who has paid the price to own him. In that one word, Paul sums up his whole view of what life is. Paul sees that every part of his life is meant to be lived according to the will of God. Now, this is something that we pray every day. Assuming that you pray the Our Father at least once a day, you pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. How often do you really stop and think about that? I think very often we like the benefits of Christianity and we turn a blind eye to the cost. We love the fact that Jesus promises us eternal life. We love the graces, we love the blessings, the provision. But we want to then hold on to our freedoms. We want to be able to live life our way, to fulfill our desires, our plans, our dreams. What would it mean if you were to give over everything? If you were to genuinely say to Jesus, my life is not my own, I'm a slave. I'll go where you will. I will do what you want. I will not do anything without first asking permission. Now, that could very well start to stir up all sorts of reactions inside your heart. And that's a good thing. You want to pay attention to those reactions because that is the point of conversion. 
as much as we love to hold on to Jesus, there are so many other things that we are holding on to that we don't want to let go of. And our freedom is pretty much right there at the center of it. If you go back into the history of religious life in the, in the church, what we now know as religious orders originated way back in the early church when, when people were going off into the desert and living as hermits. And then many of those hermits joined together into monasteries. And from those monasteries, we have the religious orders that now are working throughout the church. Way back at the beginning, when people joined these monasteries, they only took one vow. We, we now understand that they would take the three vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. But back then, they would only make the one vow, which was obedience. And the, the reasoning was very simple. It's that if you were genuinely obedient to the will of God, you didn't need to do anything else. You know, the, the other vows are, you know, just trying to emphasize certain points. The real core of the response is to say, my life is yours. And if I can then commit my life to being obedient to every part of the Gospels, to really seeking to understand God's will for my life, that's the, that's the essence of discipleship. Now, we need to break this open a little bit to understand what do we mean by obedience? Maybe, maybe the, the, the actual word itself is the best starting point. You know, the word obedience comes from basically the, the word to hear, to listen. And so what it really means is I'm, I'm intentionally listening to the call of Christ. Now, most of us, I think, we, we sort of have that problem of selective deafness. You know, we, we only hear the things we want to hear and we're deaf to the other bits. And we do this with the scriptures. You know, we open the Bible and we read the bits that we like to read and we skip over the uncomfortable parts. But what would it mean if you were genuinely listening to all of it, allowing the word of scripture to truly challenge you deeply, to not just be reading it on the surface, but allowing that word to resonate deep within you? Now, this reveals, I think, the first step of discipleship. You've got to read. You've got to listen. You know, once again, if you go back to the early desert fathers and the desert mothers, you know, those who, who ran off into the desert to live these lives as, a, as hermits, their life was very simple in that they just spent a lot of time meditating on the scriptures, just taking one line of scripture a day and chewing over it, letting it sink in deeper and deeper, letting it challenge them and, and call them to deeper conversion. That's, that's, I think, the essence of what discipleship looks like. You know, can you give Christ the permission to speak and can you commit yourself to listening to it? You know, many years ago, I felt very challenged in the fact that I wasn't spending enough time reading the scriptures and the image that came to me was basically of Jesus hanging on the cross, but with his mouth bound and gagged, you know, that he, he, he wasn't able to speak because I wasn't letting him. The very fact that I wasn't opening the scriptures 
and and genuinely taking time to listen meant the fact that I was I was gagging the mouth of Christ. I wasn't letting him speak to me. And so, as I say, the, the starting point for discipleship is that we need to put ourselves at his feet and listen. You know, we've got that beautiful image in the story of Mary and Martha where, where, where Mary is just sitting at the feet of Christ and listening to him. Obviously, you know, for those who live in religious life, their, their life is designed and shaped to allow them that freedom to listen. It can become so much harder when you are busy in the world. You know, you're caring for kids, you're, you're running a business. I think this is where you've just got to be creative. You know, the, the tradition of, you know, prayer, praying with the scriptures was very much designed around people who were working. It was designed so that when you were working in the field, before you had radios, before you had the internet, you know, people would just take a line of scripture and just repeat it throughout the day. That's the sort of thing which you can do while you're caring for kids. You know, that's what you can do while you're stuck in traffic on your way to work. You know, we, we are living in a world full of noise where we've become slaves to noise. We just need to reimagine what it would look like if we could find creative ways to bring the word of God into that space. But then, as I say, if we can allow the spirit of God to really break our hearts and break our pride and our ego so that we can genuinely start to conform our lives to that word. And I think, I think really this is where we've got to start looking at our dreams and our plans for life. You know, all of us start to make our dreams based on the fact that we've got 70 or 80 years on this planet. You know, we, we, we naturally want to be happy. We want to get as much out of life as we can. And we start looking around at what everyone else is doing and dreaming of what life would be like if we could do the same. It's a very challenging thing to actually now stop and say, well, what does it mean if I am living for eternity? And if, if, if eternal life is going to be so much bigger and better than what I have now, does that give me permission to let go of those dreams? You know, the, the, the fear of missing out, which plagues our society. If I truly believe in the power of the resurrection, does that give me freedom to let go? And so I can seek God's will, even if God's will is going to deny me my own will. Now, we, we believe that God is good. We believe that what God wants for you is going to probably be better than anything you can, you can create. But it will, it will genuinely mean that you've got to let go of some things. I think really at the core of it, this is the, this is the, the battle you've got to wrestle with. What are you living for? Is your life yours or is it his? Are you doing your will for God or are you just genuinely doing God's will for you? This is where we need to sit down and pray through that prayer of the Our Father and really wrestle over whether we believe it, you know, whether we mean it when we say, your will be done in my life. You know, let my plans, my dreams be handed over to you so that I can follow where you are going. You know, when Jesus called the disciples, 
there was this urgency about following because he was moving. He was moving from one town to the next and if they didn't get up and respond right there at that moment, the opportunity would pass. I think the same thing is in our own life when he calls us to follow him and to do his will. There is an urgency. You know, we don't quite know where he's going to lead us or what he's going to ask us to do. But we need to believe that there is something very important. And so we need to pray. We've got to say, Lord, help me to believe. Help me to believe in the power of the resurrection. Help me to believe in your goodness. Help me to truly trust that you are a loving father so that I can, I can truly give my life over to you and obey and listen every day of my life to your will.